Good morning. So, I am here with Allison Felix, multi-gold medalist, Olympic medalist, silver medalist, bronze medalist, um, and we're talking about mindset and uh, the mind of a champion. Um, Allison, I was thinking last night about your career and just just sort of how to put it into perspective for the audience. And, um, you know, making an Olympic team and getting to the Olympics one time is, is an incredible accomplishment. Not very many people get to do that. I got to do it three times, yet I'm sitting here next to you and feeling a little bit inadequate. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Five Olympic Games, um, you have... Yeah. Five Olympic Games, 11... Uh, Olympic medals. Talk about, let's get into a bit of the, the mindset that it takes to deliver the type of performance that gets you to the starting line on the day, multiple times, just consistently over the, 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 uh, your career. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but for me, when I first started, you know, that first Olympic team, it's like everything is exciting, it's new, and there's not too many expectations, right? Like no one really has, thinks you're going to win, you know, any of that. And so that was fun, you know, when you're on the scene, you know, taking names, like making a splash and everything. And then you you know, you're around for a while and everyone is coming after you. You know, every single race is the race that they're they're gunning for. And I think for me, the consistency is much more difficult than, you know, that first, your first step on the scene in that first team. And so for me, it was, you know, saying that I'm not going to compromise anything. You know, I'm still going to do everything that I did at day one. And that's hard, you know, once you're, eight years in, 12 years in, to have that same passion and drive and motivation. So I would definitely say, you know, keeping at that level and maintaining it when everyone is coming after you was the more challenging thing than just stepping on the scene at the beginning. Yeah, and, and, and how does one, you know, as an athlete, how do you deal with that? Because, yeah, I mean, I can remember first Olympics, no one's expecting much, and I was able to win after that. Now, everyone's expecting me to win every single time. And, you know, you can't... What I found is that what got me to that point, I have to retain some of those things, but I can't just keep doing the same things to be successful now because the game has changed and the situation is much different. Yeah. Well, I made it a little easier for myself because I didn't win the first time like you. <laughs> so, uh, or the second time. <laughs> so for me, you know, it was definitely chasing after that gold medal um, and figuring out like, okay, what is it going to take and reevaluating everything. I remember going to my second Olympic Games. And so the first one, I was a teenager, you know, we talked about it, no expectations. That second one, all the expectations, um, the favorite, you know, uh, sponsor obligations, all of these things. And I got second to the exact same person that I did the previous Olympics. And for me, that moment, it was devastating and it was embarrassing. And 
But I walked away from it saying, after I got out of my feelings, <laughs> then I was like, okay, let me look at how can I evaluate every single thing that I'm doing? How can I even get 1% better You know, with my nutrition, with my strength program, um, even the coaching philosophy, you know? And just looking to say, like, I, I want to be better. And so I think, you know, as I transitioned and as I was motivated by the gold, once I did receive it, it was kind of an interesting feeling. Because I think in my mind, because it took such a long time to get, I had built it up to be like, okay, I'm going to get this gold medal. And like, nothing is going to be the same after it. And I remember um, four years after that devastating Olympics, you know, things came together for me. And I went home and it was like, everything was the same. <laughs> and so that was, to me, the moment where I really had to figure out, you know, my purpose in it all. And do I want to stay at this standard? And once I decided that, it was going back to this day one stuff, you know, making sure that I'm doing everything that I can, not cutting any corners, and still being excited and having joy um, every single day when I'm coming to the track. Yeah. So, I mean, I think just to put this into to context as well for, for people, you know, with all due respect to other sports, and typically when someone says with all due respect, they're about to disrespect something. <laughs> and uh, so I probably am disrespecting other sports, but you can say, you know, when you don't win, um, we'll try again next year. With the Olympics, it's four years. Yeah. And so the amount of pressure then as an athlete when you're standing there knowing that when this gun goes off, you know, I'm going to either be the Olympic champion in a few seconds or I'm not. Yeah. That's a tremendous amount of pressure. Talk about how you as an athlete, you know, deal with that sort of pressure and produce the type of performances that you've been able to do throughout your entire career under that type of pressure. Yeah, I mean, it's challenging. Like you say, you know, every four years to have 21 seconds, you know, 49 seconds to show the world what you've been doing. And when you've mess up, having to wait those four years. And I've messed up. <laughs> I've had to wait. And it's really, really difficult. But I think the thing is learning what works for you. Um, and it took me some time to figure that out. But understanding for me, um, just some tools. And so I logged all my workouts. I love to write every single thing that I did down. And then before the big races, I would go back through those training logs and look at everything I did. And to me, I found confidence in that preparation. It's like, okay, I'm a beast. I did all this stuff. Like, I'm ready to go. Like, this is, you know, all I have to do now is put the race together. So that really helped me. And then just being able to block out the noise, you know, you get to that that stage and, you know, you've run the race a million times before. And the only thing that's changing is the environment and that everyone is looking at you. But if you can get down to really what it is, you in the track, yourself, the blocks, if you can get to that level and through the experience um, and be able to just say like, okay, I'm just out here running, you know, I'm doing what I've always done. I think that's the hardest thing and just being really mentally tough. Yeah. I think that's a good point that, you know, because, you know, people talk a lot about confidence and, you know, real confidence is kind of hard to come by. There's, you know, when you, you talk about confidence, people tend to sort of, a lot of times it's fake confidence, like just to sort of build yourself up. But I think it's really important. I, I, I share that, that position, you know, that, um, you know, real confidence is built on that preparation and knowing that, you know, every day is an opportunity to be prepared for the moment. Because when that moment comes, you better be prepared uh, for it. So um, 
Let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you're doing now and, you know, how you've been able to take, you know, your life as an athlete um, and transition into what you're doing now with Seish and with, uh, with Crenshaw Ventures um, as a mom as well. Um, you know, many athletes and the, the stories are certainly out there, athletes struggling to make that transition from a life in sports because, you know, you, know, you went to university, I went to university and we, you know, you study something. It was, for me, it was business and then there was a, a good 12-year detour for me off, you know, on an Olympic and professional athlete career and then trying to come back to it. So talk about your transition and, and sort of how it's been for you. Yeah, I mean, I felt really grateful to be exposed to different things while I was still competing and kind of get a taste of what I was interested in. Um, But then life just started to kind of unfold. And naturally, I went through some real life experiences that kind of brought me to the place where I am. I was um, competing. And, you know, during my later years, I decided to have a family. Um, I wasn't fully supported in that in the way that I wanted to be. And then um, I I made a huge decision to speak about that. Um, I parted ways with my sponsor. And at that time, I was still training for what I hoped to be my fifth and final Olympic Games. And I didn't have a footwear sponsor. And I remember I just was having a conversation with my brother who we worked together and I was really just speaking to him as a brother and I was just venting to him and telling him like, man, I'm just like so tired of not feeling valued and not feeling supported and, um, and not having shoot. I was like, I'm here. I am, you know, I've gone to four Olympics. I've accomplished a lot of my goals. Like, how do I not have a footwear sponsor? And he was like, well, what if we just like did it ourselves? And I was like looking at him like, you have lost your mind. Like (laughs) we're in a pandemic, like I've been through so much. And, but really, you know, when I, when his words sat with me and I, I thought about it, it was like, yes, here's an opportunity where we can create change ourselves instead of asking someone else to do it. And what we thought we were doing was, you know, creating shoes for me to wear in the Olympics and maybe other women would want to do that as well and to stand with me. Um, But what we learned in that process was that shoes haven't been made for women. Um, Shoes, tennis shoes are are made off of a last, which is just a mold. And it's been the mold of a man's foot used to make women's footwear. And so once I learned that, it was like, wow, here's an opportunity to just say that women deserve better. And so our company, Seish, is um, a footwear brand for women. And we make shoes to fit the form of a female foot. And it's been a, a really fascinating journey. And I feel just so connected to the purpose and like I'm absolutely where I'm supposed to be. So the transition has been, you know, it's been really great. I think I I feel really blessed to have found this while I was still competing and then be able to move into it. And retirement is hard from sport. Like there's no way around that. But I I love that I feel um, just this mission is, is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, we say what we're doing is so much bigger than shoes. It's just saying and meeting women where they are that, you know, things should be better. Yeah, let's, let's um, just, just talk a little bit more about that, uh, Allison, because it sounds like, you know, and, and I certainly know your story well, you know, that there was an opportunity that sort of just came about for you to transition and and also because of your personal experience with your sponsor and what was happening with you at the time in your personal life wanting to start a family not being supported but also 
there was the opportunity to start a company out of that but, and start a business, but also the opportunity to become a real advocate for, for other women. So talk a little bit about that, you know, and, and sort of the decision there to become more vocal because, I mean, it's tough for athletes. I did a, 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 a documentary for Audible a couple of years ago looking at the history of athletes using their platform to protest, and I found in, in, in my research there in doing that that it's not easy for athletes to always do that. There's a tremendous amount of backlash and a huge risk. So talk a little bit about the opportunity that came to you, but also the decision to then use your voice. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a journey for me because I have been that athlete that I just had my head down and I just did the work. I did what I was supposed to do. Like, I'm a person, I don't want to rock the boat. I, I'm a people pleaser, like don't want to ruffle any feathers. So thinking about speaking out was like the farthest thing outside of my comfort zone um, and just very unnatural. But I think, like you said, Michael, it was like these real life situations kept finding me. And I got to a place, it was after becoming a mother and really just looking at my daughter and was like, wow, I have a platform. Like I can actually try to change some things that really pushed me into that direction. And it came with a lot of fear, um, to be honest. I, it wasn't something that I ever got to a place where I said, okay, like everything's perfect. Like, let me move forward. It was saying that I'm scared, but I'm still going to do this and then start to really fight for some of the causes. So childcare um, for families at sporting events has really been a cause close to my heart. And um, this past season, we were able to bring childcare to our national championships for everyone involved, um, free of cost. And so just really be motiva motivated by making things easier for women who have children in sports so they don't have to choose between you know the sport that they love and, and motherhood. Yeah, that's that's fantastic, Allison. And um, you and and other women have been doing a fantastic job with that. Let's let's talk a little bit um, about you know the lessons that you've learned and what you've been able to bring from sport, uh, life and sport, to you know, your life now as an entrepreneur, as an advocate, and sort of you know those things that you feel have allowed you to be successful in your post-athletic career. Yeah, I think. A lot of the things, I don't know if you found this, but a lot of the things um, that helped me in my athletic career, they do translate. I think in this new world, they're called many different things. But going back to like how to overcome defeat, you know, um, passion, the pressure, working under that pressure of performing on an Olympic stage, it completely translates. Um, and just, you know, my experience in, in trying to raise capital and how hard that is and hearing no over and over, I'm like, well, I've been down and out plenty of times. Like, that's just not going to stop me. And it, it just doesn't phase me. I mean, I've time and time again, you figure out how to overcome. Like, that's just, as an athlete, like, that's that's what you do. So I think that's really been helpful. And then also just learning how to, to work on a team, you know, and we've both been on a lot of different teams, a lot of different relays, worked with a lot of different people, but you're able to come together for that singular goal. And I love that every day now I get to work on a different type of a team and I get to rely on different expertise. And it's just a joy to, um, to do that and to have that experience. Yeah, I think most people don't realize that, you know, as individual athletes, when we're on an Olympic team, um, 
you come together as a relay member competing alongside and on the team with people that you were competing against just three days ago in the open <laughs> open event. So, you know, uh, trying to, you know, sort of come together and work with people who maybe are your rivals is, uh, uh, teaches you a lot. Um, yeah, I think, you know, for me, yeah, it was, a, it was the same. You know, I think that, you know, a lot of the, when you're used to competing under the type of pressure where the world is watching, it's a little bit of a relief to be able to sort of go about and quietly do your work as an entrepreneur. But at the same time, I remember thinking after maybe three or four years into my retirement and starting my entrepreneurial journey and thinking it was really a huge benefit to wake up every morning knowing that I'm naturally gifted to be a sprinter because yeah. I'm not naturally gifted to be an entrepreneur. Mm. So it was um, a huge, <laughs> a huge benefit that I, I started to appreciate much more at that point. Yeah. Um, you talked about, you know, mindset and sort of, you know, how things have changed. One of the things that's, um, um, you know, wasn't talked about quite so much when I was competing, and, and I don't think during your career either, was it's, it's all about, you know, um, uh, wellness, yeah. mental health. Um, I think that in my experience, you know, the, 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 the greatest athletes, those who have competed at the highest level, the GOATs, if you will, um, already sort of got that. That, that balance is really important and mental health is really important. Not all athletes, I think, understood that, but I think the best understood that because if for nothing else, it impacts on performance. Yeah. I always wanted to be, you know, have that balance and have that, um, you know, wellness uh, component of competing and mindset, you know, really sort of optimized for me because I understood how important it was to performance. But now athletes at all levels are starting to talk about it quite a bit more. And, it, and it's not just related to sport, but throughout you know, life and career as well. That balance is really important. Talk a little bit about that from your perspective and what's been your experience with regard to dealing with you know, the pressures of performance and developing a type of um, 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 mental health that, that allowed you to go out there and do what you do and how you approach that now as a mother, as an entrepreneur. I mean, this time last year, you were a mother an entrepreneur and a competing full-time athlete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting. I think it's very similar for me, um, the way that you talk about it. You know, I, I think we're in a much different place now, and I think we're in a much healthier place. Um, but, I mean, I grew up watching you, and, you know, just the focus on your face and the determination. I still have to pinch myself. Like, I'm up here with Michael Johnson. Like... <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I wanted to be all those things, you know, um, reading your book. Like, it's just, that was it. And I think um, it was kind of, I think during our time, it was like, you win at any cost. And I, I felt that very much so, that there was nothing that could get in the way. Um, and to, to almost a point where if, even if it wasn't healthy, it's like there's only one way forward. Um, you only get this one. Op we've talked about the one opportunity, you know, every four years. So there's nothing that is going to stop that. I've been really proud of the athletes now um, coming forward and being vulnerable and sharing. I think this shift talking about our mental health um, is so needed, so long overdue. Um, it takes a lot of courage to be able to share and to be transparent. And I think at the end of the day, you know, athletes are the same as everyone else. You know, we have the same issues, the same problems. And I think a lot of times we're seen as invincible, but it's not the case. And so I think 
Um, for me, during kind of the, the latter years of my career, and like you were saying, having a lot on my plate, I had to start un- starting to recognize when it was too much and saying that that's okay. You know, I think we glorify, I think even in the sports world, but in all of the world, we glorify like this mentality of like no days off and just grind culture. And it's like celebrated to talk about how busy you are and and all of these things. And I think, you know, one of the hard lessons in my athletic career was learning that rest is just as important as the difficult workouts that we do. And once you can grasp that, which is, it's just a concept that, you know, naturally we shy away from. But once you grasp that and understand that, I think you are able to perform at a higher level. And I think your mental health and everything ties into being able to have these really strong performances for a consistent time period. Because I think, you know, you can work and work and work and you can, it can work for you, you can have success, but can you sustain that over a long period of time, I think is, is the key thing. So I've been really um, grateful that, you know, we're making this shift. When I think about my daughter and her growing up and the role models that she has to look to, you know, I, I want it to be a holistic approach that she can think about her mind and her body um, and really prioritize that. Yeah, I think it's it's fantastic that athletes are feel much more comfortable now speaking about uh, mental health and speaking about the struggles and the difficulties of, of performing and the pressure that they're that they're under. I want to go back just uh, to one thing that we talked about a bit earlier about your decision to be an advocate and to speak out about a cause that's very important to you. Um, the question often comes up with athletes because. Of course, you know everybody's familiar with Shut Up and Dribble, and you know, sort of, you guys are here for entertainment, and it's always interesting for me when people say, you know, uh, I wish you guys could just stay, would just stay the sport, and my response is always, I wish I could just stay the sport. That would be amazing if I could do that and not have to get involved in these issues that we're facing as a society. But um, you know, what's your perspective on athletes, you know, using their platform uh, for causes that are? that are important to them. Do you think that they should? Do you think that there's a responsibility for athletes because they have that platform to sort of jump on and pile on where they see you know, people fighting already for these sorts of uh, issues that we're facing in society? Yeah, I think it's a really kind of personal you know, decision and journey that you have to get to. For me, I feel the responsibility. I feel also the privilege. Um, the people who have come before me, who have paved the way, who have done so much, to me, it's an honor to be able to fight for my community and for causes that are close to my heart. And so um, I think you have to get there. It, it was definitely, you know, it took time for me to be able to get to that place and to be able to develop and to feel that courage to be able to do so. But now I see the the effects of it. I see, you know, what comes of it. And athletes have such a huge platform today. The reach is so large. And um, we, we're seeing it. We're seeing change happen. We're seeing um, the effects of it. And so for me, it, it absolutely, I feel the responsibility. And I, I want to step up to that and be able to say, you know, and be able to just do my part, I guess. Right. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, Allison Felix. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, Michael.